We're crazy for Swayze. Gonna watch everything he made. We're crazy for Swayze. Then we'll talk about it. We're crazy for Swayze. Gonna watch everything he made. We're crazy for Swayze. Then we'll talk about it. Welcome back to Crazy for Swayze. This is your host, Vince Troya, and I'm joined with my co host. Josh Young. Josh, how are you doing today? I'm fine. That's me. I'm Josh. It is currently 12.45 on a Saturday, and we are... You don't even know what day it is. It's Sunday. <laughs> oh, shit. It is Sunday. Dude, that wedding fucked me up, and it's a holiday weekend. Oh, happy Memorial Day weekend. You'll probably hear this in September. Um, today, we are going to get a little crazy, and we're checking out Forever Lulu. It's Patrick Swayze's 22nd movie, and it came out in March of 2001. Have you heard anything about this movie, Josh? He didn't even mention it in the uh, in the book at all. <laughs> it wasn't mentioned in the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I don't have much information about this, so I feel like that clues us into what kind of movie we're going to be watching. But yeah, we're both covered in blind, right? Mm-hmm. We do have some uh, some info though we wanted to drop on you guys. We've got the directors John Kane, Kai K K K A Y E K K K. John K was the director. He didn't direct anything else. He's got one upcoming movie, but I don't even know if it's going to come out because it's been in production for a minute. So this is his only film. Wow, it's ninety nine minutes long. It was only, I could only find that it was distributed through Artisan Entertainment. It doesn't have a production company online. Amazing. No, this was, like I said, his 22nd film. It came out after Letters from a Killer and before Green Dragon. And uh, he had some some co-stars that are pretty noteworthy in this one. Wow. Who are we going to see in this movie? We've got Melanie Griffith as top build. She was from Working Girl and Lolita. We've got Penelope Ann Miller from Carlito's Way in the Shadow. And Mr. Joseph Gordon-Levitt from Inception. What? The Dark Knight Rises and 30 Rock from the Sun. 30 Rock from the Sun. That's, the, that's the one that's also about um, making Saturday Night Live, but it's also about aliens making Saturday Night Live, right? Yes. I said the wrong. <laughs> 30 Rock from the Sun is a great yeah. portmanteau of oh, two television man. shows. I like that. I want to see that. I want to see John Lithgow running running the girly show. Yeah. That'd be great. Okay, but yeah, fuck. Ugh. Yeah, that's all we know about this movie. We, it's it's supposed to be good. I've got a tagline. First love lasts forever. That's that's one of them. Oh, I got a second one. You want to hear the second one? Yeah. Two ex-lovers, one open road. That I like better. I, oh, I, I right? love when we count things. Two of this, one of this. Yeah. This time there's more. Anything. This, this time there's more. <laughs> Anything. Well, yeah, I guess that's kind of everything I found on it. It's 99 minutes long. Patrick Swayze was uh, 48, and the working title of this movie was Loving Lulu. So it's just about loving Lulu. Yeah. Uh, it's, and, and Lulu is, like, mentally unwell, right? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> okay, cool. That's my prediction for the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think that uh, two ex-lovers are going to go on a road trip. Mm-hmm. That's what I've gleaned from this cube. If I'm not mistaken, this based on the timeline and when this came out, uh, Patrick Swayze was in the throes of his third alcoholism. 
Oh yeah, yeah. This was early two thousand, so very much so. Yeah. Imagine being such a boss that you can become an alcoholic three separate times. <laughs> yeah, I bet you'd have to like smoke sixty cigarettes a day or something like that. <laughs> Want to watch this bullshit? Yeah. Fuck yeah! Let's watch it. Let's watch it. So we watched the movie. We watched the movie, and I'm giggling about it. He's a whole, he's a, he's a whole gaggle of giggles over here. How do you want to do it, dude? This I didn't. I wrote down one note. Okay, so uh, all right. So this lady, Lulu, <laughs> Melanie Griffith's character. I find in the first scene we find that she's sucked about fifty guys' dicks. Which is like a fair number. And when when she says this, the person she's talking to uh, exclaims, "Whoa! Now we're talking dicks." And I like that a lot. Yeah, that's my only note. And then he estimates that each dick was sucked ten times, ten times. which doesn't seem like the right amount. I mean, maybe on an average. I don't know. Freddie doesn't seem like he knows what he's talking about. I don't know if we can trust Freddie, but I mean, like his math was pretty solid. If she's sucked. 50 dicks 10 times each, that would be 500. Well, yeah, there's no doubt about like, that. Though he did seem to be questioning those that number. He seemed to have a hard time coming up you, with it. I, yes. Ed, no, he did not have a hard time coming up with that. He was, like, trying to get a real hard number. He was like, yeah, let's actually, like, figure this out. Let's see how many dicks you've sucked. And how, yeah, how many dicks. I mean, he's all about blowjobs. That's all Freddie cares about. Yeah, it's all Freddie cared about. I mean, probably because he's been like living in homes for most of his life, he probably doesn't get too many blowjobs. I would, I, I would assume. I don't know. I, I, I guess I don't know what home living in ho- mental homes are like. Got mm-hmm. no idea. I've never been to one. Yeah, so. I'm not sure that this is an accurate representation of anything. Yeah, like I don't know what this was. But I do feel as if, uh, if, if, if someone were living in an inpatient facility, they wouldn't be getting or given many blowjobs. I feel like. Mm-hmm. People put a stop to that real fucking fast, you know, because mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. well, the idea is if you are um, if you are severely uh, like men- uh, psychologically handicapped at a given time, okay. you cannot consent to sexual activity, which is why in the psychiatric hospitals they're not supposed to fuck. Okay, that, as well as it being a, a problem with their treatment. That that makes perfect sense. Yeah. I have no idea about but it if, myself. If you I can give a, you, if you can give or that take a blowjob right. in under fifteen minutes, though, then it's possible to do it in between rounds. So I mean, oh, shit. <laughs> this is this is inside baseball for the people who work at the psychiatric hospitals. See, that wasn't in an acute inpatient facility that she was living in, though. She was living in like a group home situation. Yes. Even though there's only two patients there, as far as I could tell, and they were living there with the doctor, as far as I could tell, that just didn't seem realistic. And that was, uh, I don't know. I, Dude, I got no idea. So that that was off putting to me, but like I did think her performance was pretty good. I don't yeah. think the performance was distasteful. It seemed like she may have actually done some research. No, yeah, I, I thought Melanie Griffith did a great job. But yeah, so we we just get introduced very quickly to her with this really weird blowjob scene, and then 
There's no blowjobs given or taken. No, no. There's no. There's a very strict no blowjob movie. Yeah, no blowjob. <laughs> no blowjobs. But then we're like thrust into the story and we meet Patrick Swayze. Immediately. Like uh, three minutes in, right? We don't even have to wait. His name's Ben. His name is Ben. Ben Clifton. And Ben Clifton is a writer for TV. Uh-huh. Write what you know. Yeah. Yeah. Writers writing writers. Yeah. Oh, TV's so trash. And actually, it's really interesting because Swayze was talking about how there wasn't in the book uh, that there's not a lot of uh, good roles around this time. So he was just taking kind of what he could get. But like, he seems to have put it all into this movie. Yeah. I, I don't know. He, it, at first, it, he didn't seem like he was trying very hard. But as the movie goes on, it, it's really intense. Yeah. Well, Josh just read this book about Patrick Swayze. That's what he's referencing. What's it called? The time of our life, yeah, it I was, think, a, or my life. It was an autobiography, yeah. between him and his wife Lisa, yeah. right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is the book that he, Josh is referencing. Yeah, well, there will you'll probably already know about it by the time that we're you listen to this podcast, just based on how how the release schedule is going to work. We haven't recorded the biography episode yet, so we'll probably talk about that in more depth. But I am going to reference it a lot throughout this movie because this movie. Uh, this movie had a lot of parallels to his life, I felt. Yes. Yes, it did. Yeah. So immediately, Lulu escapes the psychiatric hospital, right? Oh, right away. <laughs> but not before we establish that he's it's Patrick Swayze's character, Ben Clifton, has been thinking about her, right? Because he's watching this movie they used to watch together when they were... Yeah. De- and they were having flashbacks. He wore these really weird sunglasses inside of a movie theater, and he had this weird bang kind of bowl-cut hairdo. They didn't want us to see his face when he was young, Swayze, because it would be clear that he had crow's feet. It was very clear <laughs> that it was 48-year-old Swayze in this movie. So they didn't want us to see his eyes specifically, because like in all the flashback scenes, which are all shaky cam and like dream filter, mm-hmm. you can't see his face. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of something like in Freddy vs. Jason, like when they like color switched it a little bit and they would put that really heavy blue filter on it when they're supposed to be in the dreams or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it was. But it, I guess like it was good because we had that visual representation that was very defined. Oh, yeah, I, I like that aesthetic a lot. Like actually. We didn't have any questions as to if we were in a flashback or not. Which is important. Yeah, it was nothing like Three Wishes. Like, we didn't know we were in a flashback. God, the whole movie was two flashbacks. Yeah, it was. Within Fuck. a flashback. <laughs> uh, let's see. Yep. So, all right. So, the, the, like, I don't even know. Like, So she lures him out to, like, the seedy part of L.A. so that they can go to a bar together. And they hang out. And she, like, cons him into going on a cross-country trip. And it turns out this is a road trip movie. Yeah. Which we established immediately when we... Red taglines. Oh yeah, two ex lovers, one open road. So we knew this was a road trip movie. I guess I didn't. It didn't occur to me. But then we forgot in the first like ten minutes, <laughs> and then we're like, "Oh shit, we're going from New York to Madison." With or not New York, my bad. Fucking, we're going from L.A. to Madison, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And um, most of the road seemed to have been skipped because we only really saw the desert. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we did. As if most of the land between L.A. and Madison, Wisconsin is a desert and not cornfields. <laughs> there was, but like what we what we were lacking in visual stimulation, we were definitely making up for in dramatic stimulation. Yeah, Man, it was a little over dramatic. It was such a goddamn roller coaster. Uh huh. So all right, so Ben is married to Claire, right? Mm-hmm. Lulu's been in this mental facility. And it just so happens that Claire is a psychiatrist. Yes. 
So I'm sure that won't be important later. When Ben calls Claire to tell him that he's going cross country with his ex lover, um, Claire immediately, like, she's know, like, "I'm gonna fly there and, yeah. and uh, head him off at the pass." Yeah, because like, <laughs> I'll meet our, him in Chicago. Our relationship isn't going well and stuff like that. So, oh, because clearly they didn't want to fuck earlier in the movie when Lulu called in the middle of the night. Uh, ben looks over at Claire and he's like sup and she's like i have to work in the morning and yeah like okay whatever it was like real <laughs> ben 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 was like kind of like longingly looking at claire and claire's like no we're gonna shut this down right now like don't even think about fucking i'm not into it and ben was like that's chill it was subtle gonna, though just to keep keep looking looking right at you while you sleep because i love you and she turned away from him yep and that's how you know things aren't going well. So when Lulu calls, he's more than stoked to get some blowjobs. But but the first time Lulu called when he was in bed with Claire, she, she didn't, didn't say, say anything. anything. She just hung up, right? But then the second time she calls and she's like, meet me at the bar where we fell in love, where all the famous writers were. And it was like real cryptic and poetic. And you know what famous writer is there? Who's there? Nick Offerman, famous writer, Ernest Hemingway enthusiast. <laughs> We, that's when we get a glimpse of a beardless Nick Offerman. It was really, like, surprising because... We had to stop and rewind it, make sure it was him. He yeah. gives you one line. Yeah, and and Patrick Swayze also had these bitchin' fucking glasses that, like, <laughs> had clip-on sunglasses. So, as he walked in, he pulled the sunglasses off, and Josh is like, look at the manual transition! And I laughed. It was a good fucking joke. Manual transmission sunglasses... Fashion Corner. <laughs> Is that your Fashion Corner theme song? Fashion Corner. <laughs> so they just sat there, and apparently the whole bar was listening to this conversation. They, had. they were having a loud conversation yeah. about mental health. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Lulu was like... Is this where she told him that he had a kid? I think so. I do think that that's where she first introduces the concept, yeah. (laughs) Because it was real early. I didn't know if it was, like, when they first met or what. I do think it, yeah, I do think it's first there in the bar. She's like, ah, we've got a kid. And he Mm -hmm. doesn't believe her because she's she's a nutter. How'd she have have a kid? Yeah. But, I mean, I didn't believe it. And it was, like, 16 years ago and stuff like that. But she was going on about how, you know, like, after we split up, I found out we were pregnant. I was pregnant, so I gave the baby up for adoption, and then I made the agreement with the parents, saying that once he was sixteen, um, we could meet him. And guess what? That was sixteen years ago. It was sixteen years and three days. Well, I so, mean, I, yeah, I guess that's how whatever it, works. it was. Yeah, they show up like three days after his birthday. Um, but yeah, so they decide to just drive across the country mm-hmm. and hijinks ensue yeah let's see i don't have any of them written down um they went to that one motel after oh well there was she picked up a hitchhiker and then stole lulu waved down a hitchhiker as she, after taking off her clothes in a convertible and then ben stopped the car and the hitchhiker came up and started talking to lulu because he needed to call his wife on the strange cell phone that he had yeah corner <laughs> the cell phone looked like something out of the matrix like it didn't like pop down but it only had like a britney spears microphone yeah like did piece. that extend yeah. like did it come it, out it folded it folded oh. but it didn't like 
cover the entire keyboard because it was only this little itty bitty <laughs> microphone. So at one point he like angrily pushes the antenna down because it still had an antenna you had to pull up. And he also flips up this little itty bitty microphone. Like it was it was definitely a two thousand movie. Yeah, very it was a vibe. Oh shit, I forgot oh, okay. Alright. So after Ben calls Claire to tell him this, Claire hops on a plane and just flies to Madison, Wisconsin, right? Yep, because she's going to head him off at the pass. Yep. While she's on this plane, she meets this dude named Lou. Lou. Also Lou. Yeah. And then she's just like... Never, you know, referenced. <laughs> like, giving him, like, a few little short answers, like, clearly not trying to have a conversation, and then all of a sudden, Claire's just like, we're fucking talking, and we're getting drunk. Yep, they get drunk on the plane. So they get drunk, and, uh... And then we are introduced to the idea that her and Ben had a son. Yes. Who died. Yes. So this is like a level to the story that we weren't even aware of. Yeah, that's how she like starts the conversation with Lou. She's like, yeah, my kid's dead. Yeah, she's just like, yeah, I'm married. My husband's driving across the country with his ex-lover, and I am going to meet them and watch my marriage fall apart. And Lou's like, oh, I'm sorry. And then she's like... We had a kid that died last year. He was five. He had leukemia. And I was like, oh, shit. And then she says to him, basically, do you want to fuck? Yeah! <laughs> Claire beds Lou. It doesn't happen on screen, so that's no. cool. I no, like that. fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just like, oh, yeah, we, they did it. Mm-hmm. But as, as she's flying across country talking to Lou over vodkas and vodka, and Patrick Swayze... Fuck, why do I keep saying Patrick's Because that's who he is to you. He's not Ben. Ben and Lulu are driving across the country, and they stop at a hotel. And as Ben's inside getting the room together with two beds that'll cost $87, Lulu takes off all of her clothes and goes skinny dipping. Fashion corner. And, uh, yeah, then they have this, like, really intense conversation about being fucking scared. And in love. And in love. In the past. Yeah. And time like, for a flashback. <laughs> like how they used to go skinny dipping all the time and fall in love and wear sunglasses inside at night. And then and there's a flashback of her like having cut herself up a whole bunch. Yeah. But, I, like I don't understand how like what that ha- well, I guess that that's what he's thinking about while she's while she's talking about how they used to be in love. No, that's she cut herself up because in a flashback we're shown that. Ben gets accepted into this writing program in like 1982 or something like that. And it would take an entire year to do this program. And it was supposed to be over the summer where they were playing a road trip. Oh, so that's why she chopped herself all up? She got she got upset because she thought that he was going to leave her. Okay. So like there was, I don't want to say that there was validity to her actions, but like I understand her thought process. She was uh, like clearly upset yeah. and scared and uh, d- exhibiting signs of being unwell. Like I get it. Like yeah. you she know, got some complicated uh, mental illness issues going on. Yeah, it was. It was. It, it was kind of up until that point. It was just kind of just touching on them a little bit. Well, it's like uh, schizophrenic people usually don't cut themselves just because they're sad. You know, mm-hmm. uh, schizophrenic people will cut themselves for all sorts of reasons, but it's usually not because they're sad. Mm-hmm. I mean, she seemed to also be having some severe uh, bipolar, I guess, which would include depression. And in the she, it seemed like she was bipolar and not schizophrenic. Maybe 
I, I, I don't have any expertise, so I don't even know the signs. Well, uh, schizophrenia is mostly, um, it's mostly hallucinations, um, but there's other stuff as well, like the, the positive symptoms, quote-unquote, are hallucinations and uh, like delusions of grandeur yes. and shit like that. But then there's negative symptoms as well, where sometimes you'll be like catatonic or uh, y- your speech will be slurred and stuff like that. They call those negative symptoms because mm-hmm. it's detractions from normal things rather than additions to normal things. Either way, um, all of those things can be symptoms of bipolar when you are in a severely manic or severely depressed state. You can have hallucinations and delusions and also be really depressed and cut yourself. And she did say she was on lithium so, mm. and Risperdal. Okay. Risperdal well, Risper is an antipsychotic. <laughs> you know, I know you don't know any of this. You, this is you, very useful to our audience. I, I'm okay. I, that's cool. I have no idea what you're talking about. <sighs> what I'm saying, is I don't <laughs> think this movie knows what it's talking about either. It might. Hey. It might. I, I, I know I would be interested what, in knowing like how much research they did and how much research she did for the role. It was it was right around this point we also found out that Lulu had stopped taking all of her medication that she was prescribed. So I'm sure that all of her brain chemistry was all over the place and she was trying to like understand how she was feeling. And she does attack that one guy in the diner. She does, you know. <laughs> and I mean like I think that she was maybe, you know, she she mentioned that when she's on her medication she doesn't feel anything and she wants to feel something even if it is being sad and scared and everything else so mm-hmm. it's like like i don't necessarily agree with her stopping her medication because i'm not a doctor i don't know anything about it but i, I mean, am like, a doctor i agree with it i i like i hear where she's coming from though you know like i've not wanted to take things like drugs because i don't have medications but i mean like i don't want to take drugs just sometimes because they, they fuck me up you know i don't want to take the cocaine don't make me you can't make me Cocaine ruins everything. Uh, this is Boogie Nights now. Oh, God. Boogie Nights. <laughs> now we're talking about dicks. Keep that dick conversation going. Dicks, 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 dicks. Yep, no dicks in this movie, so it doesn't meet your qualifications for a quality film, unfortunately. Dude, I mean, no dong, but, but, like... Two boobs. Two boobs. No dong. No dong. No That's butts, fine. even. Oh, I mean, I guess there's one butt, maybe. Whose butt? I don't know. Lulu's? I don't think we see Lulu's butt. Nope, we only see her naked from the front. Yeah. I was... I I paused the movie because I thought it was really cool. I was just like, fuck, like, this isn't... Yeah, like, tell it, the people it, your spiel about this. Yeah, I thought it was real fucking tasteful. Like, not like I'm trying to sit here and sexualize people with mental illness and in, the, in the throes of it or anything like that. I'm just saying that, like, the comparison I made was like, this movie was just a, a character that Melanie Griffith like wanted to play, and like was like, this was this is a choice this this character would make in this situation. Yeah, she didn't like, make big bucks off of this no, decision. No, she, she wasn't doing this so that we could jerk off to it. Yeah, like she was like Lulu would go fucking swimming right now because they're in the middle of the goddamn desert and there's a pool here, and that's what she wants to do. And, and there's nobody around, so why wouldn't she do it nude? Exactly. I the was guy inside like, the hotel loved it. Yeah, he's like, you know that naked lady that's swimming, and and Ben was like, yeah, I do. Can I get a towel? And he's like, no problem, you know, and they fucking just had. A conversation and it wasn't like oh we're gonna 
make Melanie Griffith look super fucking sexy. Like, no, she just... It was a long, far-off shot of yeah. her in the nude on a diving board. Yeah, it was fucking cool. Like, I was, this is dope. And I was real happy about it. And, mm-hmm. like, the comparison I made was, like, in Monster Ball, I had heard the rumor that Halle Berry had gotten paid something like a million dollars. And she made the joke one time at, at some awards show, I think it maybe was MTV or something like that, that... She got paid a half million dollars per boob to flash him in Monster Ball. And I'm like... To flash him. Just flash him for a moment, out of context, just because they wanted to sexualize Halle Berry. And this one, it was just like... Part of the character. Part of the character. It was it was fucking cool. That really is the best nudity in movies, though, yeah. right? It's the most tasteful when it when it's just there and it's not sexualized. Like, it follows, you know? Yeah, like, it's just part of the... Like, I don't know. I thought it was really cool. I thought it was done very tastefully. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, fucking good job, John Kane. Like, that was cool. Mm-hmm. I wonder if uh, John K is related to uh, L.A. comedian Joe Charles K. You don't know that person. Nope. Thanks for bringing him up. I'm going to tag him when we release this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know him either. I just listen to him on podcasts sometimes. Um, but yeah. So, so they do their cross-country they trip. Do this road trip. And then they meet up. Are they meeting up in Madison or do they meet up in Chicago? The layover for the flight is in Chicago. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yes. That's, and that's where, where the sexing happens. That's where the sex happens. The Claire sex, not the Ben and Lulu sex. There's never any Ben and Lulu sex in no, this movie. They, uh. It's actually a plot point. Once they meet up uh, in Madison, fucking Claire is getting her hotel room while Ben and Lulu show up. And Lulu just, like, tries to make Claire feel bad. Immediately. She doesn't like her. She's oh. like, get out of here. I don't want to see you. And yeah. like, Claire's got her own room and shit. Like, Yeah, and she's like... So then... Ben's wife is in L.A. We're in Madison. Who are you? Stop lying. You're the crazy person. Yeah, and everyone's like, no, this is, this is, I'm his wife. And then Ben was like, she's my wife. And Lulu's still like, Ben's wife is in L.A. And I was... was, So after Ben makes his wife feel bad enough, Lulu's like, okay, now I want to hang out with you, Claire. Yeah. And follows her into her room. Yeah, and drinks her booze out of the mini bar. Like a $4 mini bottle of vodka, probably. And then this is where Lulu finds out that Ben and Claire had a child that died. Died. And Ben hasn't mentioned it at all. So then they clearly, all sit clearly down. Clearly he's fucked up about it. Yeah, so they all sit down and fucking have a conversation about it. And this is the first time that Ben has said his name. Yeah, we didn't know the son's name. Yeah, his name is Andrew. And it was the first time that he's actually said his name since he died like a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Something, Something like, that. like that. Childhood leukemia. Yeah. Sad stuff. It was an intense fucking conversation man mm-hmm. like i felt like th- it was pretty lighthearted until this point and then like you said like we make a hard turn and then it and then it's like become- a david lynch movie or something oh, it suddenly becomes a real movie it <laughs> the the conversations everyone's having regarding relationships and how um people have felt abandoned and just how things are working in general it's just, just like Holy shit! This is not the same movie we were just watching twenty minutes ago. Right, we're like we're talking about roving like flocks of women in every major city trying to recruit other women for blowjob gangs. <laughs> like that's how we started this movie, and now we're talking about like like real relationship re- shit. Me- yes, how severe mental illness re- like and 
impacts relationships. It was mm-hmm. fucking weird. Yeah, and out like, of and was... how cheating can be different than just having sex with someone. Like, yes. Claire, Claire felt betrayed because he was spending so much time with Lulu and clearly cared about Lulu. Yeah, and so she went out and did the sex, and he was mad about the sex, mm-hmm. but then it just immediately gets forgotten about. I mean, it's like still in the background, but as soon as Lulu starts having her breakdown following this, um, immediately Claire becomes the therapist in the situation. And now, you know, she's taking care of Lulu. I think that says more about Claire. Like, Mm -hmm. like she's, she's like living up to her response. I don't want to say responsibility because she doesn't owe anybody anything. Exactly. But like, she's, she's, She's doing what she actually cares about. She's performing her profession. She yeah, she yeah. wants to be a doctor and help people in in therapy. Mm-hmm. And when she finds that opportunity to help someone who needs it, she immediately goes into action and was just like, you know what? Fuck everything that's happening with us for this moment. Like mm-hmm. we gotta have we gotta focus on this kind of thing. And she really like is there for Lulu and Ben and mm-hmm. like is not necessarily encouraging the fact that they ran across the country together at the drop of a hat but like she's like all right both of you are feeling lots of emotions involving something that he didn't know anything about until two days ago you know like he lost his son a year ago and he just found out he has another one maybe like this is important to him too like it was fucking intense yeah so they all get in the whip and they're like all right let's go over to the house yeah and And let's meet our son yeah and that's when we get to finally meet joseph gordon levitt who i forgot was in the movie yeah i thought that the son wasn't gonna be real (laughs) and he wasn't well yes we, we we actually went back and forth as to if we believed that they actually had a child together because on the way to the house of Martin, Martin's his name. Martin. Um, that's when Lulu tells Ben that they are going to their son's house where he lives. He is actually 16. He actually has a son. But the photo that she showed him is not the child that they had together. It's actually her doctor's child. It's actually her doctor's child. The person he talked to when he called the doctor, you know, the hospital where she was staying, uh, was another patient who was more mentally ill than she was. Blowjob guy. Blowjob guy. Freddie was just like, he put on her glasses and just like laid it on real smooth. Yeah, and he like, did a real good character. He <laughs> he made a very convincing character. Ben got off the phone, and then all of a sudden the doctor walks in and goes, Freddie, who are you talking to? And he's like, wrong number. And he takes the glasses off and just like, I don't know anything about anything that's going on. Yeah, but then you the do see out. all the empty photo uh, frames around the office and stuff from mm-hmm. where the photos were clearly stolen so that she can make up the story about their child. Yeah. And I love that. I love his reaction to it. It's like completely... Like, I don't understand why it was all in the script, like, why they kept it all in the shot, because he just starts going fucking ape shit on her when she says that she lied to him. Mm-hmm. And she's like, let me finish my story. He's like, no, fuck you, and wife, fuck you as well. And when she finishes the story, he's like, damn, why'd you guys let me go on like that? <laughs> my bad, let's go check him out. So they roll up to the house looking like uh, <laughs> 21st century thruple. Oh, man, yeah. They just... Like, imagine if your dad showed up with two women, one of whom's your mom and the other one who has her nipples out. <laughs> one of them's your stepmom. And she's hot. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's fucked up. Like, <laughs> like your stepmom's hot. That's that's not good, dude. <laughs> so you've got your a- adoptive mom who's mom. You've got the crazy lady who's your mom. You just call her crazy lady. And then you've got this 
lady who has no relation to you whatsoever, except for she fucks your dad every once in a while. <laughs> but not in years. Wow, what a hard life it must be to be Martin. Maybe that's why he's such a dick to everybody. <laughs> Martin was a dick. Everyone in Martin's home, except I, I, his dad was kind of a dick, too. His everybody mom was, was a dick. Everybody, everybody was, was a dick. But... Of course they were. Yeah, yeah, it was justified. That's when, like... They could have refused it, dude. After a very small conversation between all of them, um, it is revealed that they called them. Mm -hmm. like The day before. Ben and Claire and Lulu called Martin and his family the day before, telling them they'd driven across the country to meet Martin because... It's his 16th birthday and they had the agreement. Yeah. So they were all real high tension regardless like they're like fuck well these people just came out of nowhere and then they want to meet our son and it's also a no alcohol household and that's always sketchy well no it's not fucking sketchy you got a child in the house and everything i know it's not sketchy but like then asking a lady are you an alcoholic no (sighs) it's amazing that i think that that was the, the the part of lulu's character that was the most like I don't want to say upsetting, but it was just like the part that irks me the most was she was very open with her communication. She had a question. She would just ask it immediately. Well, she's been living in homes her whole life, and communication is like the most important thing when you're in treatment for mental health. And then she she asked for wine, and they say there's no alcohol in I mean, the she shouldn't have asked for wine in the middle of the day. It was like the morning or the afternoon. <laughs> yeah, I'm not trying to tell anyone when or when they shouldn't ask for wine. I know sometimes you need it. I don't know. You are going to your kid's adoptive parent's house. I don't think you ask for wine. <laughs> no. My point that I'm trying to make is I think when someone says, oh, there's no alcohol in the house. You just say yes. You, you read the fucking room and you say, no problem. But that's also, I know I'm not fucking Melanie Griffith's character in this movie. So, but yeah, she's pressing. I also love issue. that they don't serve alcohol. It's like, yeah, because this is a restaurant, right? You're treating this like, you're treating this like a bar. You're just going to order alcohol. Mm-hmm. No, that's not how it works. You can have water or iced tea. They said lemonade. No water? No, there's no water. It's lemonade and iced tea. You can take the uh, tea out of the or out of the ice, and boom, you got water. No. No water. Okay, no booze, no water. Yeah. Dems Fuck the rules. You. Yeah, I mean the whole scene though. There, once the whole family gets together, is all super real, and then it's sort of not after that. Yeah, they. Uh... They could. Tr- they have to go. Like Lulu leaves the the meeting because it's so it's so stressful for her. Yeah, they get yelling, and uh, Martin calls her crazy, and she reacts in a fashion that I feel lots of people would react if they were called crazy. Like by their not, son. Yeah, it's not who they just met for the first time. Like it's so evident that she's yeah. crazy, and she's she's just trying to you know show him that. She may have made a mistake in the past, but she wants to be his mother, you know, or not even be his mother, just have a relationship with him Mm -hmm. now. She just wants to know him, and she's like, you know, it's cool. When they do meet back up after she flees, she's like, you know, it's cool if you call me crazy. I am crazy. I wear it on my sleeve, and it's good if you do as well. So just know that about me. I'm crazy, and I love you. Yeah. I, I, I think Joseph Gordon-Levitt was acting up a storm, dude. I think that... You know, he did a real good job because he he expressed really valid concerns in the beginning. Like, he's like, you guys just left me, and this is my mom. This is my dad kind of thing. Like, you are my parents. And 
that's how I would feel as well, but I don't think I'd be so rude about it. Especially if my dad was Patrick Swayze. I guess. I don't know, man. Like I guess I don't know what it would feel like to be adopted. He's a sixteen year old kid that was put up for adoption because his his parents didn't want him. Like I understand he's angry, Mm -hmm. you know. He found a family or family found him they love him they've raised him you know like he he seemed to be doing well like they didn't look as if they had like an unkept house or anything oh yeah it seemed a little bit stodgy you know that's it like just a little uptight but i mean you know sometimes that's what you get and it's not bad well i maybe it just seemed uptight because Three strangers called you and invited themselves into your home. And one of them is someone who's, like, severely mentally ill. Yeah, like, I I get why they were being standoffish and stuff like that. And I think that his concern, saying that, like, you know, you're not my dad and shit like that was valid. Because I don't think that... You're not my dad! Well, they were also trying to, like... They were they were trying to get to know him, and they were asking him questions, and he was clearly not wanting to share some things, you know, and they should have been respectful. Yeah, they shouldn't have forced him to try and share his poetry. I think that's rude. Yeah, I, that's a real personal thing you're writing, you know? Like, I don't want people reading my writing before I'm fucking done with it. Like, I'm trying to work out goddamn ideas, you know? I, like, I fucking get it. And even if, even if it is complete, I understand not wanting to share your art with some people, especially if it's not, like, published and out there. Mm-hmm. You know, like I fucking get it. And I don't think that he necessarily was in the right calling his mother crazy or calling Lulu crazy. Yeah, I don't think it's think, nice to call anybody crazy. No, I don't think that's fucking chill. Like it's also not helpful, especially when when she's sitting there going like, I, I just want to I want to meet you. Like, I mean, she talks too much. Not in like a oh, women be talking way, but like she over explains I'm only trying to do this. I'm only trying to do that. Connect, man. I know. Like, I, I think that the whole them meeting each other was important for. I I don't know. Maybe that's insensitive even to think that because like, looking at it from Martin's perspective, these are my parents. Mm -hmm. If if my mom is experiencing schizophrenic tendencies and she's being treated for it, maybe you know like. That's why I felt weird sometimes or things like I think just that like was, hereditary. I dude, it's I I feel like if I were in that situation, that's the kind of information I would like. To yeah, say. exactly. Like, this is important. Just so maybe not that I'm feeling I schizophrenic or anything like that, but like you, you know, need to like, know hey, what your predispositions are. You need to know what your family history is. That's it, why it's important for uh, adoptive parents to maintain contact with the uh, the biological parents. I, I think it's a good idea because, like, what if something were to happen that he begins to experience these things mm-hmm. and it it re- you know it affects him really negatively. Mm-hmm. You know, like if if knowing this information, maybe he could seek help and like be able to feel better about himself in a situation. I mean, it, demonizing you know? it would be bad for him. So the the rela- having the relationship there I think is helpful in a in a developmental context for him but also for his parents. Yeah. You know, so therefore with the conclusion of the movie being that they have like a a relationship in the 18 months in the future that they've been establishing. Yeah. A relationship. It, that's cool. When when Lulu runs away um Ben says, oh, you know, they were showing our movie that they would watch all the time. Which is the one he's watching at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, at, at the theater. So he 
and Claire go and Martin asks to join them. And when they get to the movie theater, Martin's like, hey, let me handle this by myself. You know? I'm, I'm the big man here yeah. now. And, you know, Ben was a little like weird at first, but like Mar- I think Martin was right. And he went in there and he sat down with Lulu and kind of talked to her a minute. And Lulu explained that, you know, like Ben had a son. And he's just like, he just wants to like meet you and like if he can support you and help. You know, he wants to. He sure did try and be a dad, though. Yeah. And, <laughs> at and, dinner. And Lulu was... In all the bad ways. ...was explaining herself the same way, and they actually got to, like, sit down and have, like, a real conversation, which I feel like maybe that was more appropriate of a setting. Maybe not appropriate No, because it was a movie theater. Yeah. You don't but talk like, in a movie theater, which is what the usher told them. You're right. <laughs> but, like, the two of them just being able to, like, meet each other and, like, hey, let's have our conversation yeah i think having that whole like group of people is too much too high tension there's too many people there's too much shit going on very high okay 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 so is there anything to be learned from this movie do you think i think that there is i feel as if it it shows us that if people are experiencing mental illness, you know, like the, the, the side effects, or not the side effects, but like just experiencing the effects of mental illness, we need to be supportive and, you know, try and be understanding. Because, like, calling people crazy is kind of shitty, you know? Like, especially when you're doing it negatively. Yeah. Oh, when you're like, that's crazy awesome. That, yeah. That's, that's dope. Yeah, and I'm, like, crazy for fucking Swayze, so, like, that's chill. But, like, it's not, f- like, I don't know. Call, like, I think when he called, when, when Martin called Lulu crazy, it was, like, a part of the movie that really drives the point home. Like, fuck, she's doing her best. Yeah, they're all doing their best. She and just has been institutionalized for most of her life, so she barely even knows how to function in society. She's just trying to have a good time she's most of the time. She's trying, so we we just gotta be as 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 best as we can, man. Like, understand everyone's trying hard. Who's this movie for? I, it was fun. Who's it for? I uh, I think it's I think it's for people who. Who have, you know, lost... No. I don't know. Who do you think it's for, Josh? I think it's for Patrick Swayze. Yeah? Why do you think it's for Patrick Swayze? Okay, because his sister had died uh, less than 10 years prior. She she had committed suicide after struggling for her whole life with depression. She was a little bit older than him. Yeah. Um, And at some point in the 90s, he and his wife had a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that that's why he took this role, uh, especially since, like, he mentioned there wasn't a lot of roles around this time. I think he felt some real connection with this one. And I don't know if that necessarily came through in the performance or anything, but the plot was really meaty, I thought. Yeah. Well, uh, like, dude, like we said, like, there was, it was real, I don't want to say it was thin in the beginning, but it was real fun. And, like, kind of like, oh, there he's got a wife, they're going on a road trip. You know, they Ooh. used to be in love. Are they gonna, will they, you know? won't they? And and then, it was a hard right turn to we're talking about serious fucking shit. So, like, I don't know. I think it was really, I thought it was really good. I, I think it was good, too. I think he, uh... As far as a family drama, like, I understand why the movie exists more than I understood why Hereditary exists, which is also a family drama, if you really think about it. 
Like, yeah. I, I don't know why Hereditary exists, except, I mean, Danny said it's so that Midsommar could exist. It must be scary. Which is funny. Um, but I understand that this movie exists to let you know that a family can be complicated. Mm-hmm. You know, and that people need support, like you said. And it, in that taking advantage of mentally ill people is not a very positively masculine thing to do. So... Do you think we should rate it on the Swayze scale? Swayze scale. Or do you think we should read some reviews? Well, I think we should rate it on the Swayze scale first. Swayze scale. And then we should see what other people feel like. So how do you feel, Josh? Like, I don't know, dude. Like No horses. There was no horses. Um, There's no butts. No butts. But Swayze was pretty deadly. He was pretty deadly in like a bad way uh, at dinner, which is bad dad. Um, something that we've remarked upon before. Uh, I liked the road trip. The road trip was cool. Like yeah, I think that's pretty Swayze. The, I don't know about that. Uh, I mean, the, having a cool car is pretty Swayze. Yeah, I think. But I think going on a, like uh, an adventure and like kind of being nomadic for that short time. I think that's pretty Swayze, man. Oh, yeah. He even I mean, made it a Jack Kerouac-style book. I, yeah. I, I, we do mention that. That's pretty fucking Swayze. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think this is a pretty Swayze movie. Yeah, I but... I'm not going to give it a high number, though. I'm no. thinking, like, maybe a four, maybe a, out of out of five uh, bad dads. <laughs> We've already rated it on bad dads before. You, you want you want to give it four out of five bad dads? Yeah. Did we do... It doesn't matter. I'm not oh. sure. I might have to keep thinking about it a little bit Dude, more. Dude, I was going to say maybe like four out of ten bad dads. Whoa. Like, I I feel like... Because he never has his shirt off. Well... He's very, like, ruggedly masculine, but not, like, actually that hot. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He doesn't fight once. No. Yeah, you're right. I think it's a four out of ten bad dads. But, yeah, uh, a nice little four out of ten... Maybe two out of two out of five. Want to reduce that fraction? Yeah, sure. I don't know. The less bad it's, dads, the better. <laughs> like it was, it was good. It was fine. Like, I like the movie. I it's just not it. very Swayze. Yeah, yeah. I. How do you feel about the movie? Like, oh, I like it. I'm probably gonna give it three and a half out of five stars. Three Maybe three, because it wasn't that good, and I did. I was pretty irritated with some of the depictions of mental illness. Dude, yeah, I was gonna say two and a half or three out of five. Yeah. Yeah, I feel right about that way too. Like I thought that that they. I enjoyed watching it though, yeah. and I thought it was engaging, and I think it has a lot of things to say, but I think some of the things are wrong. I really liked <laughs> Freddy. He was my favorite character. Freddie was your favorite. Yeah, I it's just that with the one fact that they're like, oh, we don't know where Lulu went when she got out of the facility. <laughs> she she escaped, and he's like, maybe she joined the roving fucking blowjob gang. I was like, oh, this sounds like the best fucking gang to be in. Just like he's the only funny guy in the movie, Dude. so that's actually a good point. I liked uh, I liked Martin's new mom. She was great because she's, she's an alcoholic and she was ready to talk about it. Yeah, she's like, yeah, I'm an alcoholic. We don't we don't serve alcohol here. A few times her husband tried to like cut off conversations that she was involved in and that irritated me. It irritated Lulu as well, but Jerome. I feel like Jerome, that was his name. Jerome. Yeah, Jerome and Millie. I mean, Jerome was cool one on one once he got Swayze outside, but at the family dinner I did not like Jerome. I did like Millie. Yeah. 
because she was like such a bitch and I liked that. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you feel about Dr. Davis? She was the the, 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 the the mental health facility. She was not a very good professional, if you no. ask me. No. Mental health professionals are like the most maligned uh, professionals in movies. Like are the most maligned doctors in movies. Yeah. Um they're like bad more often than they're good. Did you like Nick Offerman? No, useless. I mean, I liked Dyson in it. <laughs> it's cool that he met Patrick Swayze. Yeah. Maybe he'll come on our podcast. Yeah. Give him a call. Okay, be like, hey, Nick Offerman, want to wanna talk about a movie that you did once? Did Roger Ebert watch this movie? He was unavailable. <laughs> he was unavailable for question. Um, no, I did not find anything about Roger Ebert or Siskel. Siskel? Siskel? Siskel. 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 Mambo number five. Siskel did not write Mambo number five. Lou <laughs> Bega did. Lou Bega did. The mayor of Ska City. Oh, gosh. Have God. you heard the song This Is Ska? No. Oh, we'll have to listen to it after this podcast is over. Riding oh. out on This Is Ska. <laughs> I'll listen to some Ska. But I do have a budget. Okay, yeah, tell me the budget. It was an estimated $20 million. Estimated. Yeah. Why'd they estimate it? Because there's no production company. <laughs> there's no way to know how much <laughs> alcohol no Patrick office. Swayze drank while they were making there, the movie. There's no box office. There's nothing. It's just an estimated $20 million This wasn't budget. even mentioned in his biography. He mentioned yeah. nearly all his movies in his biography. Yeah. I will list the ones that he mentions in the biography episode that we do. I do have some reviews, though. Yeah, of course you do. Just a, did you pull random ones or what? Did you get a No, no, oh, no. Oh, I know no. how this is. Are we going to do the game? No, I don't have any any reviews, like personal reviews. I can you you want to play a game? I'll pull one up right now. And I yeah, read it to me and I'll guess how many stars it is. That's the game we played last time. All right. <laughs> All right. Was that last time or was that the time before? Well, let's, dude, it doesn't fucking matter. The best thing is that uh, with how we're planning on releasing these, I love to uh, get into the behind the baseball or whatever. <laughs> all right. So this is, this is, this is, I'm going to read you all, all the reviews and I'm going to read you two reviews. One's going to be a high and one's going to be a low. And I want you to guess what the high and the low is. <laughs> all right. We've got a letterbox at 2.9 out of 5. We've got IMDb at 5.6 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes does not have it. We've got an audience score of 56%. What the fuck? Are we the only people who have ever watched this movie? <laughs> Amazon's got it at a 4.4 out of 5 with 70% 5 star. Amazon's review system is all fucked up, isn't 10% it? 10% 1 star. All right. <laughs> you ready for this one? Yeah, just read me one. I don't want to. All right. You're, you're guessing. Worth the time, especially for Griffith and Gordon Levitt. Where the film isn't a masterpiece by any means, it is certainly worth the time. Melanie Griffith shines in her role as Lulu, and Joseph Gordon Levitt stands out again in his role of Martin. And unfortunately, his time is much too brief in the film, as I think it's probably the most underrated actor today. He's extremely believable in his role, and he shows us exactly how one would act in a situation his character is in. Give the film a shot. It's worth the time. Forget some of the characters Swayze has played in his past and look at him for the character he's playing now. Oh, yeah. Watch Melanie Griffith become Lulu. And lastly, you'll believe Gordon Lovett as Martin is an awkward situation he's been thrown into. Acting is an A. Film is a B. 14 out of 19 people found this 
helpful. And this was made by Hershire too. So someone gave it three and a half or four stars out of five on IMDb. Oh, so this is out of ten. So out of ten, so yeah. this guy gave it like a seven or an eight. Yahtzee, you got that. Wait, you want to guess what year that review is from? This movie came out in two thousand. Dude, that mo- that review is from last year. Two thousand two. Oh, okay. Because uh, seriously, if you're if you're uh, if your standard for a movie is, I believe these actors. What the fuck? <laughs> All of these reviews are from two thousand eight and before. Okay, so cause... no one's watched this movie in the past. Oh, ha chi cha! We've got one from fucking twenty twenty. The music used for the scene between Lulu and Ben don't always work for me. Too sappy. Better used for a Hallmark channel or with more believable coupling. Not crazy about the script or character directions. I'm okay. Hold on. A more believable couple? First of all, they're not a couple. Believable. What is not believable about it? Oh my god. So, whatever. This movie is believable. The actors are believable, in my opinion. So, let's give it four stars out of ten, right? (laughs) Forget all the analysis and comparisons and fan enthusiasm. Forget the stupid episodes of Penelope Miller playing a qualified psychiatrist, throwing herself to a fellow air traveler. This is. A sexist. That would have been too much. I'm really glad. To have come across this DVD. This, people are just... People are so dumb, we should never read reviews again. Oh man, people have lots of feelings about these movies, and this movie was just fine. I think that in the future, we should get reviews from our friends who have seen movies. None of our <laughs> friends have seen these movies. I know, I know. No one's heard of this film! It I, has no budget box office! It's not in his biography. Did we watch, like, an artifact from another timeline? Like, what is this? How- Okay, we need to end this episode, don't we? There's only 31 reviews on IMDb. (laughs) We're going to... Well, I'm not going to add one. I'm going to put one on Letterboxd. I'm going to put one on Letterboxd, too. Where's your Letterboxd review going to be at, Josh? We already talked about this. It's going to be a two two and a half or three out of five stars. (laughs) No, what's your Letterboxd handle? Oh, what's it at? Yeah. I don't know what it is. Joshua C.Y. That's yours. And what's mine? I have no fucking clue. Vincent Troya. Okay, this is how we promote things? Yeah, this is just where we're going to put them. <laughs> if you'd like to follow us on Letterboxd, you can find us there at Joshua C.Y. or Vincent Troya. You can also find us on Twitter and on Instagram and on Facebook at SwayzyPod. And you can also email us at SwayzyPod at gmail.com if you want to email us for some reason. Um, I it, think that's all of our social media. Well, I mean, if you want to email us, the reasons I would suggest emailing us is... What, what would they be? If you know someone who's met Patrick Swayze. Oh, that'd be a good reason. Um, and you could, and they would want to be on our podcast. Yeah, if you've worked with Patrick Swayze and you want to talk to us about him, that'd be fucking sick. We'd love to hear some stories. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I want to hear any first-hand accounts of Patrick Swayze. After reading the biography, now I want to read an oral biography. Dude, that'd like, be sick. Because I didn't want to know what people thought about him while he was like, yeah, you know, I broke both my legs, and uh, then I just, three months later, I was good to go again. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want to know what people were thinking about this, like, strange man who who was just like looked like he was trying to kill himself yeah Ugh. dude the, the biography we yes yeah if you've got some information or some fun fucking stories let us know we'll holler at you man i think that's it for me i think that's it for me as well yeah you feeling good i'm feeling crazy for Swayze. yeah i am too you got anything else you want to say before we, we call it do i look like i have something to say no and yeah i don't all right bye <laughs> bye <laughs> we're crazy for Swayze. Gonna watch everything he made, we're crazy.